0: Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor, and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. The second Sunday in Advent, Luke 21, 25 through 36. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, that the world in which we live will not last forever, that someday heaven and earth, with all it contains, will disappear, is a clear teaching of Holy Scripture. It tells us that this great universe serves only a passing purpose. When it has served its purpose, it will be torn down by the very one who built it. According to the scriptures, the world is only a tent under which men who are moving toward eternity remain just for the night. And when the last person has completed his pilgrimage, it will be pulled down. For us, it is not an abiding city, that is, it is not our permanent residence in which we should remain forever, but only the scaffolding of the eternal dwelling place. As the scaffolding will be removed when the real building is completed, so will also the earthly creation be removed when the heavenly one will be finished. Therefore, according to Holy Writ, we must expect a day of judgment." In our day, many who wish to be looked on as enlightened deny that there will be such a judgment day. Idle enthusiasts have always predicted the day and hour in which the great terrible day would come, and lo, it did not come. All who have most positively foretold the time when the end of the world will come have been refuted by time itself. All who believe their prophecy have been mocked by the world. Consequently, the world laughs to think that there are still people who have not been made wise by such experiences, and, despite them, assert that some day the judgment will come. Though the world may laugh, there can be nothing more foolish than to deny that someday the world's last day will most certainly come. Not only does Scripture tell us this, but even our reason. First, it is an incontestable principle that the whole is the sum of its parts. To use a plain example, if all the individual pieces of a thing are wood, the whole is made of wood. If all the parts of a thing are perishable, the whole must be perishable. We see that all the separate elements of the world are subject to change and destruction, and are therefore perishable. Fire consumes most of the things that compose the world, rust others, water decomposes still others. Others crumble away through atmospheric action and so on. We see how sometimes this, sometimes that part of the world is desolated, destroyed, or lost to view by floods, earthquakes, or subterranean craters. Even unbelieving scientists, and especially astronomers, maintain that comets are destroyed planets. In amazement, they have at times even announced that certain stars observed for thousands of years, have sometimes suddenly, sometimes gradually, disappeared from the heavens. We have shown that certain parts of the world have been destroyed. Hence, it is rank folly to maintain that the whole world can or never will be destroyed. Bear this also in mind. Our earth especially cannot exist without other heavenly bodies. The sun, moon, and stars give it light, warm it, and make it fruitful. Should the sun withdraw only for a little farther from the earth, the world would quickly grow cold and all life would cease. Should the sun, on the other hand, draw only a little closer, the water would soon boil away and everything would be burned. Now if the heavenly bodies, upon whose existence the world depends, can be changed, yes destroyed, the earth can also be changed and destroyed. Moreover, we must add, the world has changed and changes daily. It is undeniable that the human race has become weaker from century to century. It is evident that men today do not become as old as previously. Man falls prey to an increasing number of various kinds of sicknesses, and as men have overpopulated ever more countries, the earth has become ever more impoverished, and the means to support people become fewer and fewer. Every reasonable person must therefore perceive, even without God's word, that the earth and mankind cannot exist forever. The earth must of necessity end. And when the last second of the world will come, it will also be true of this world. So far and no further. In short, there must be a judgment day, even according to the judgment of sound reason. Even the heathen have written that. We, however, will follow God's word. It shows us not only that judgment day will certainly come, but also that in these times we dare never imagine ourselves safe. Luke 21, 25 through 36. Jesus says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming in the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Word of the Lord. On the basis of today's Gospel, let me present to you how foolish it is in our day to imagine ourselves safe from Judgment Day. It is foolish because of the signs that have already occurred, the circumstances in which the world finds itself, and the suddenness with which judgment shall come. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, who once came into the world to save sinners and who will come again to judge the quick and the dead, let us in repentance and faith find thee in thy manger and on the cross so that we may see thee with joy upon the clouds and on thy throne. To that end, bless also this present meditation on thy holy word for the sake of thy merciful incarnation. Amen. God has earnestly forbidden all inquisitiveness on man's part in wanting to discover the exact time of Judgment Day. Christ not only says in the state of humiliation, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, Mark 13. He also tells his apostles after his resurrection and glory, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, Acts 1. As little as God will let men know in advance the day of judgment, so little does God want let want to let men ever feel safe from judgment day. Rather, the false Christian is presented in God's word, as a person who says in his heart, My master is delayed, Matthew twenty four. While the true Christians are described as those who wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, first Corinthians one. Therefore, Even the apostles told their hearers that judgment day is near and admonished them to hold themselves in readiness. Children, writes St. John in his first letter, it is the last hour. Peter writes, the end of all things is at hand. Paul writes, these were written down for our instruction, on whom the end, end of the ages has come, 1 Corinthians 10. James writes, behold, the judge is standing at the door. At the beginning of the only prophetic book of the New Testament, we read, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near, Revelation 1. And finally, in Hebrews, we read, Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. The apostles used the nearness of Judgment Day as an important reason for their admonitions. Thus, for the example in Hebrews, "Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." Hebrews ten twenty five. And in Philippians four, "Let your reasonableness be known to everyone: the Lord is at hand." If even the Christians of the apostolic times should not feel safe from the unexpected appearance of Judgment Day, assuredly we in our time dare much less. Yet nothing can be more foolish than this. First of all, because of the signs that have already been fulfilled. There are certain signs that should precede Judgment Day and announce its nearness to all people. Christ mentions them in our text. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars And on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming, in a cloud, with power and great glory. Many are of the opinion that they can be very calm in regard to the last day, because these signs must precede the last great and terrible day. They suppose that they are still to come, but they err. All those signs have occurred in the course of time and take place now, in part, before our very eyes. Have not the sun and the moon been darkened often? Have not remarkable phenomenon in the stars and especially in distant space been noticed? Have not people become so afraid that they fainted for fear and for waiting for those that should come and in despair have committed suicide?" Have not the sea and the waves roared frightfully and swallowed great multitudes of people? Have not the powers of heaven been often shaken? Have not astronomers reported that stars observed for thousands of years have suddenly disappeared? And have not also all other signs, which according to God's word should precede Judgment Day, been fulfilled long ago? Have not the times long since passed when nation first rose against nation and kingdom against kingdom, in which pestilence, famine, and earthquakes came time and time again, in which unrighteousness even among baptized Christians increased and the love of many grew old, in which many false prophets have arisen and deceived many? Furthermore, has not the gospel been preached throughout the whole world, not to convert them, but as Christ says, as a testimony to all nations, Matthew 24. Has not the great falling away in Christendom, which according to prophecy precedes the day of the Lord, taken place long ago, when the Roman papacy came to power? Is not the long line of Roman popes who have seated themselves in the temple of Christ, that is, in the church of Christ, the Antichrist? Has the Antichrist not been revealed to all who cling to God's word, which has destroyed him? And finally, have not the scoffers of Peter's prophecy, which should be fulfilled in the last days, actually arisen within the very church of Christ itself? There is no doubt. All of the signs that should precede the unexpected appearance of the last day of the world have been fulfilled long ago. Of course the unbelieving world pays no attention to all these signs they consider it childish superstition to regard these appearances in nature especially those in the sky as signs of the last times they think that because similar things have constantly occurred due in part to easily explain natural causes since astronomers can forecast most exactly eclipses of the sun and moon it is foolish to attack Attach any significance to these things, but do not be deceived by such thoughts. Even if many of these harbingers might be explained by natural causes, yes, may even be forecast, they still are and remain indisputable signs of the last day. The rainbow is and remains the sign that God will never again send a universal, all-destroying flood, even though scientists understand the natural laws that operate to make this rainbow. God has made the rainbow a sign of this and has given it this meaning. Similarly, all eclipses of the sun and the moon and all other unusual happenings in the heavens, yes, even the frightful roaring of the seas, are and remain undeniable signs of the last day. One may always be able to point to natural causes, but Christ has made them the signs of the last day and given them this meaning. All sicknesses and infirmity of old age have natural causes, yet both signs, lasting from the cradle to the grave, show in part the certainty, in part the nearness, of death. To be sure, many of those signs have natural causes, and yet God has appointed them to remind the world of the certainty and nearness of its final dissolution. Each recurring sickness of man calls time and time again, Set your house in order! for you shall die, Isaiah 38. So also all these signs, which have occurred throughout the centuries, have called to the whole world time and time again. Soon, O world, also your last hour will strike. Hence, what can be more foolish than to hear how in the past 1800 years God has again and again announced the nearness of the end of all things? Through creatures over us and next to us and under us, As though by a trumpet blast and still remain calm secure and carefree and say my master is delayed may the God of grace guard us from such security the patience of God to whom a thousand years is a day and a day as a thousand years has already waited with the day of judgment for eighteen hundred years he has patience with us and is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance But finally, when that hour strikes, which in his counsel he has decided upon, the Lord will also come and will not delay. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, he says, and also the word of his return will not pass away. Matthew 24. The Jewish people are still before our eyes as a sign of his promise coming. Christ said also in Matthew 24, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. As certainly as neither time nor oppression, though ever so severe, dared destroy the Jews, this drop in the sea of the nations, so certainly will Jesus let that happen for which, as a sign, he has sustained that nation until this hour. That it is foolish to imagine oneself safe from judgment day, we see also from the condition of the world. Permit me to speak to you of this. In what condition of the world will be before the last day, Christ explains in our gospel. But watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. In these words, Christ warns Christians not to be drawn into the life of the last world. It consists partly in the secure, carefree, voluptuous life, eating, drinking, and carousing, partly in worry, covetousness, and driving oneself to acquire worldly goods. That this is the correct explanation of this word of Christ, we see from other related sayings of Christ and the Apostles christ says in matthew twenty four fourteen this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world and then the end will come but christ does not say that by this universal preaching there shall be a universal conversion he expressly adds as a testimony to all nations christ says in luke seventeen just as it was in the days of noah so it will be in the days of the son of man They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Christ adds in Luke 18, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Paul and Peter also give the same description of the condition of the world shortly before the last day. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, That day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. To Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. For, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, having the appearance of godliness But denying its power. And Peter writes, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. If we hold the condition of the world of our days, Against this picture, the Holy Scriptures sketch of the condition of the world shortly before the last day, can we doubt for an instant that we live in the last times? There is no doubt. The fig tree has leaves and blossoms. The heat of the last day approaches. We cannot deny the facts, whether we examine doctrine or life. As far as doctrine is concerned, the gospel of the kingdom, just as Christ said, is even now being preached to all nations. The great falling way that was foretold is being revealed in Christendom itself, partly in the papacy, partly in the enthusiastic sects and the confusion in religion of our day. Whole armies of baptized scoffers and slanderers have now arisen. They seek to overthrow all religion under the guise of progress and enlightenment and condemn all holy, mysterious doctrines and institutions of Christ as superstition. They make a game of the Bible, God, Christ, heaven, and hell, and merely laugh at and ridicule a belief in the last day. On the other hand, as far as daily life is concerned, most live by the principle, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. All sins are committed so brazenly, as though there were no longer a God whom men should fear, and no judgment before which men must appear and give account. They make no secret of their sins, rather boast of them. They regret that they cannot be more open about them. As at the time of the flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, they live and plan amidst the greatest feeling of security and unconcern. They seek to gather money, build houses, and enjoy the world. And if here and there witnesses for the truth appear, who announce God's threats, wrath, punishment, judgment, and hell, Most, just like the inhabitants of Sodom, consider this something laughable. Societies are being constantly organized, which have the purpose of ending all Christian discipline, inciting the children against their elders, the citizens against the government, the hearers against the teacher, the poor against the rich. Yes, nowadays no one is ashamed to slander even the estate of matrimony and declare that adultery, divorce, And all other sins are permissible whoever does not see from all this that we have come to the very dregs of time must of a truth have drunk from this very intoxicating cup of these last shameful times and become intoxicated dare we be secure of a truth no heaven and earth are everywhere calling to us as though with the voice of thunder The judge is standing at the door. Satan himself is ringing every bell, calling for the last revolt of mankind against his Maker. Oh, let us therefore not sleep, but let us arm ourselves, so that we may be ready that when Jesus Christ comes to judge the living and the dead, we may welcome him with joy. Our Gospel presents a third reason for not considering ourselves safe. It is the suddenness with which the last day will come. Jesus says in our text, For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. My friends, if God should announce the last day only a day, yes, only an hour ahead of time, many would think that he could risk waiting with his conversion and preparation until the announcement came. He could console himself with the thought that in the short appointed respite, he could still turn to God and beg for his grace because God is a merciful God. But God has cut off this false comfort. The last day will come as unexpectedly and suddenly as death comes to most. No unusual indisposition, no sickness, no weakness of age, in short, nothing will announce that day except what has announced it long ago. It will come as unannounced as a thief in the night, as suddenly as lightning out of the blue sky, and as our text says, unexpectedly like a trap on all who dwell on the face of the whole earth even the pious will have received no sign as the hunter secretly sets his snare for the wild animal that he wishes to capture and avoids every noise that would betray his presence as he while the animal grazes unconcerned in the meadow suddenly dashes out of the thicket and throws the snare air around its neck and feet as the trembling animal sees itself suddenly caught and tied so that it cannot stir and carried swiftly away to receive the death thrust with the sharp, gleaming knife. So God is also secretly preparing his last day for the secure world. He lets no man, yes, no angel or creature know the second in which he will break in upon the world. This great, terrible day already hovers over the whole world. But no one in heaven on earth suspects the day of the frightening event. The fateful day dawns, but the world, sleeping in sin, will live on up to this day as it has always lived. In eating and drinking, in marrying and giving in marriage, in building and planting, in laughing and joking, in mocking and slandering, the world will always say to believers, Be still about the last day, about your hell and judgment. All that is jest, a boogeyman, dreamed up by priests in order to frighten children and women. But see, while they still mock, while they still eat and drink, commit adultery and play, and blasphemously laughing and joking, while away the hours, suddenly, the heavens open and Jesus Christ, clothed with all the fear of a judge, appears on the clouds of heaven. Thousands upon thousands of angels surround him with flaming swords. The archangel sounds the trumpet and, as a thousand storms, thunders its crashing sound throughout the quivering creation. The dead arise. The whole world trembles and quakes. The enemies of Christ feel their waiting damnation in their hearts and their cries fill heaven and earth. At the sight of their Savior, only the host of the pious, full of holy delight, sing rejoicingly in a million-voiced hallelujah. There will be no time for the unconverted to be converted. With the appearance of the judge, the period of grace has ended. In a second, God's wrath, as though it were a mountain, rests upon the souls of all who did not prepare themselves for this day with true repentance. They shall cry woe and shame upon themselves, curse the day of their birth, wish to escape but cannot, wish to hide but cannot, without bringing any results, their cry of woe to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? Revelation 6. With the crash. The whole creation that had been kept for judgment will collapse. Hell will roar up, open its fiery jaws, and eternally swallow all its children. Bear this in mind, you sinners. We can still live through this terrible scene today, even during this hour. Up, up, flee quickly in faith to the Zor of the wounds of Christ. Remain, ah, remain there, and then... But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. To the Savior, the comfort and refuge of all sinners, be praise and honor forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, CFW Walther. These sermons are available in two volumes. as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life.